Hello, welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post, and I'm very happy to be joined by my good friend, Dan Wojcicki, from, I guess, the Los Angeles News Group now, right? Not just the Orange County no, Register. No, the Southern California News Group. Oh, Tim. all right. Southern, check, from the Southern fact California. Check. Fact check. Fact check right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> so, so that, because uh, in the wake of... Um, in the wake of the Daily News, the Los Angeles, uh, the Los Angeles Daily News, and the Register, among other papers, merging, you now you now write for a bunch of papers. How, how many how many papers technically are you writing about the Clippers for now? I think eleven. What, how does how does the, that, the, how does that feel to be the B writer for eleven newspapers at once? Um, it feels good until you only get one page <laughs> instead of eleven paychecks. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's good. You know, I, I feel like it's it's um, a new new audience. It's exciting. And, uh, you know, I, the, the fascinating thing for me is, so the register is, uh, I believe circulation is, is the biggest newspaper in, in that part of the chain. But what I'm, what I'm always interested in is like, if I need people to call me back, like an agent or something like that, you know, saying Los Angeles daily news, you know, you get the Los Angeles part in there now. To, uh, they're exciting choices I get to make as to who I actually work for. Now, in all seriousness, have you has, uh, if, like do you try different things like that with people? Has that have you noticed a difference? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I like people in gen- like I don't want to sound like a total jerk, but like people generally call me back um, right. most of the time, anyways. So it's hard it's hard to know. Uh, but I mean, I've definitely used it. Like you know, I was working on. Um, a story about the Clippers TV deal. And I had to talk to somebody in New York and, um, I assumed it was someone who was not crazy familiar with the orange County register. So I went, I went Los Angeles daily news and I got a call back. So maybe, maybe it does work. Yeah. I would think, you know, the, in the, the registers had a pretty long history of excellent writers, yourself included, but I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, somebody from New York or Chicago or somewhere else is, is going to, you know, kind of automatically recognize the LA part. I think just yeah. I think that. I mean, I think that's. I mean, I think that's what it is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's and and it's like. I mean, I've never like I said. You say the Orange County Register. That's fine, but like you know, there's Orange County in New Jersey, right? Right. It's like saying it's like saying right. It's like saying the you know the Bergen Record or Newsday instead of saying you know the New York Post or the New York Daily News. It's just kind of a different. Uh, yeah. It's just a different thing. Now let's let's talk about something much more important, which is baseball on a basketball podcast. Uh, <laughs> Dan Dan is a a proud Chicagoan, um, correct, and uh, proud Chicagoan, and um, also you know also a a proud White Sox fan. Uh, we were at a White Sox game earlier this summer after after Dan's uh, engagement to his lovely fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so so what? It I I know you are a are a Cubs hater, so we we'll we'll address that in a minute. But like, yeah, is there a, is there kind of a general um, is there kind of a general way that people approach this in Chicago in terms of, you know, is it like, is it, you know, is it pretty much everybody that roots for the Cubs hates the White Sox and vice versa? Or is this kind of, or is it kind of a mixed bag? No, I mean, I think it's more of a mixed bag. I mean, I think you get, you get a lot of indifference. You do get the people who cheer for just the Chicago teams. Um, but I can tell you, I can speak to my household. I mean, you know, my my dad, um, my future father-in-law, my fiance, myself, all from Chicago, all cheering for the Giants <laughs> because we're we're petty, terrible people. And it, it you know, I, I think 
it, it, it's funny. It's one of those things like it does bring out like bad qualities in me because <laughs> I don't want to be that. It, I mean, it is petty and it's silly and it's, you know, I mean, we've won our World Series. Um, you know what I mean? And if the Cubs want to come around and do it 11 years after, like good for them, like that's fine. <laughs> but but it, it it's I, I really think it's, you know, I think that if I'm going to take a step back from it, you know, there's an inferiority from being like sort of the second team in town. Well, that was what I was going to um, ask. I, I, I which feel is, like which I, is nothing I which is nothing I, I approach in my personal life. Ever, right. Or my professional life. That never I, comes up. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Cub fan would be much more in, was like would be more indifferent if this was the other way around because of that. Cause in Chicago, uh, you know, it, or am I yeah, wrong? About I mean, that? I, I think, you know, and they, and they've got their thing with the Cardinals right. too. Um, but it, 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 I mean, look, there was, I, I've got plenty of friends who are Cub fans who, you know, don't really think that highly of the Sox. Right. And they think the park is garbage. Like what was it like back in 2005 stinks, when you guys were making, when the, when the white Sox were making the run, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it, well, it was no, a big I mean, deal. But I mean, like, were, were Cubs fans, like, rooting against, like, rooting for the teams? They were, like, were they rooting for the Astros in that series, in the, in the World Series? Um, I think a little bit. Uh, I think more, what it was, I, I again, it is, so, I mean, it's. I think they were sort of rooting against us being the team to do it first, right? It's sort right. of like, it was a really unique situation where you got these two teams in a city, um, and with neither of them had won in a century. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so... You know, to get there first, I mean, you know, as speaking as a Sox fan, I know I was pretty insufferable about it, um, <laughs> you know, and, and being and, and boasting and getting in Cub fans faces and <laughs> probably should have been punched a couple times. And it yeah, just, uh, you know, luckily early to mid 20s, Dan Wojcicki celebrating a, a, a Sox World Series. Yeah, I was I, just, I was super responsible about it. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was uh, no, nah, it, it, it's, it's one of those things. It, it, it's. It is interesting. I, I do think it comes up mostly from inferiority where it's sort of like, you know, at least for my dad, I know I can speak for him. Like what gets him upset and still to this day, what gets him upset right. is like, even when the Cubs aren't good, it's turning on the 10 o'clock news in Chicago or the 11 o'clock news everywhere else. And, you know, seeing sports lead with the Cubs when, you know, the, the team that you root for the White Sox, you know, might be 15 games over 500 right. or something like that. Right. And they're, they're further down the report. And it's just sort of like, you know, it's builds this little bit of resentment that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, you know, now that they're really good, it's, you know, it's a whole new level of insufferability. Yeah, no. And it's funny. I mean, you kind of alluded to it before, but uh, it, it is kind of funny in that you, you've, you know, you've done a great job the last few years covering the Los Angeles Clippers who. I think it's helped. I really think it's helped me to be honest. Because you understand the dynamic. Yeah, I think so a little bit. I mean, I, well, I mean, obviously up, they're different people, situations. I'm sure most people know this, but like the, the Clippers have been, I'd say, one of the five best teams in the NBA on average for what five years, six years, however long. Yeah, so been there. yeah, for the last, for, yeah, for the last five years, and going into this year, all five years, Chris Paul's been there. They've been in the top eight teams in the league consistently so they've probably been overall mm-hmm. one of the five best teams i believe they've won the third most games since that that would make a lot since of sense that i th- i think something like that That would make yeah. a lot of sense so behind the spurs and i'm not sure who else probably miami. Uh, it's yeah maybe it might probably be miami. miami i i don't yeah i think it was you know um, i mean golden state's been pretty good games. during that stretch too and, and and i don't know if their numbers are inflated by you know winning 72 games but or either something. way the, the clippers have been one of yeah. the five six best teams in the league meanwhile the Lakers have been as bad as they've ever been in their franchise's history. 
Um, and, Correct. And literally the three worst years, I think, in franchise history. And they, there still is no comparison in how the teams are covered, how the teams are viewed. And I, I, guess, I guess my question is, you've, I mean, you've been in L.A. for a while now, but are you at all surprised that the Clippers have not been able to break through at all? given how much success they've had and how bad the Lakers have been? Or have you, or would you have just always assumed that no matter what the Clippers did, there's just no way they're going to break through anytime soon into that market? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would say I'm not, I'm not surprised <laughs> because, right. you know, I saw it happen in Chicago. You know, I saw the White Sox win a World Series. I saw the White Sox have a season where they were in, unquestionably the best team in baseball, where they were wire to wire. You know, we were talking about this last night at dinner. You know, they lose one game in those playoffs. Like nobody remembers this team because it was the year after the Red Sox had kind of broken their right. curse. Right. Um, I didn't. So like the White Sox breaking their. That's a, that's incredible in baseball. Yeah, they they lost game one of the ALCS to the Angels. And they won everything else. Um, they were they were incredible. Yeah, I just remember you they know, swept and, the final, and the swept the World Series. Yeah, they swept the World Series. They swept the, and they swept the Red Sox in the in the divisional. Right. And yeah, so you know they beat the defending World Series champions and then lose one more game the rest of the way. It, and it you know people were excited and White Sox fans were really excited about their team and tickets were harder to get and prices went up a little bit, but it wasn't like it became like way cooler to be a Sox fan in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and it faded relatively quickly and, you know, kind of the status quo kind of with the Cubs getting more attention kind of resumed pretty quickly. And I, I think, you know, it's, they're not exact situations. Obviously the Lakers have their history and their banners and their trophies. Um, but, but I think what the Clipper, what the Clippers have done is, you know, they haven't broken through, but I, I think they've kind of carved out their slice and it's, they've become more of sort of like the thing you go to because the tickets are the cheapest in town and you're not doing anything on a Wednesday night. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's become a team that you can actually cheer for mm-hmm. in town. You know, um, a, a, a team that, you know, is exciting to watch and a team that, you know, you can be pretty confident in is that's going to be playing games, you know, into the spring. And, and I think that's, you know, maybe because it's been five years, you know, I mean, should make the playoffs again this year, assuming you know, they retain their core, you know, a team that has a chance to really have a decade of playoff basketball in a row, which is for them is, I mean, this is, that's unprecedented. Oh yeah, of course. The the golden era of Clipper basketball right now. It's, you know, it's, it's been interesting, but I mean, they sell out all the time, you know, their TV ratings aren't great, but you know, no one's TV ratings right now are great. And uh, you know, the Lakers ratings are down obviously too. And part of that has to do with how good they are, but also part of that has to do with, you know, less people watching cable and, and watching television and stuff like that. So right. it, it's hard to exactly measure. I mean, I think anecdotally, Tim, like walking around town, I, I see more kids in Clipper stuff. I think a smart thing they did is I, you know, a few years ago, I think they, they teamed up with a lot of the local youth basketball leagues. Oh, okay. You, you know, in kind yeah. of an effort to be like, to, you know, and you, now you're a little kid, you play for, you know, the Clippers and you wear a shirt and you can be Chris Paul or Blake Griffin. And I think those things have mattered. And if they're good for 15 years, you know, they'll continue to have a, a comfortable place in Los Angeles, certainly. Yeah, no, that, and that's interesting. And, and I think you're right. I think, I think <coughs> that probably because they've been good, there's probably a pretty, a larger chunk of the kids going to school in LA now that are Clipper fans than probably 10 years ago, right? Like, I would, I would kids, imagine. There's probably kids, because that, you know, and, and I'm sure their hope is that, you know, 15 years from now, there's they have an extra 20, 
you know, 10% or 20% of the fan base sure. because those kids are old. Well, and I think the other thing they kind of figured out pretty pretty early, at least, you know, publicly they've said this is sort of like is their competition isn't the Lakers. Right. You know, like the Lakers have carved this out. Like, you're, you know, you, you don't fight wars, you know, you can't win. Right. And, you know, so there's the rest of this market. You know, Southern California is a huge place. Um, you know what I mean? Especially you can expand out east. You know, like they've done stuff. I think their games are on in Las Vegas. Um, you know, like on TV or on radio, you know, you can hear him and see him in San Diego. Right. Um, you, you know, like the Lakers too, you know what I mean? But like, so you're just, it's a giant pool of people. You're not, you're not overlapping, you know, say if you're, you know, the Nets, you're not worried about overlapping with the Knicks, the Celtics, the Sixers, you know, like you've got all the metropolitan Northeast is all right there. There's all these, there's a big giant cluster of teams. Yep. You know, you, you just pretty much have the Lakers and the Clippers for, you know, hundreds of miles. Yeah. No, that's that's very true, and it, it kind of, this this kind of shifts into what you know. I didn't necessarily mean to to do this, but it kind of shifts into what I wanted to talk to you sure. about, which was when the Clippers were here. Um, the Clippers are. I'm, I should clarify. I'm in San Francisco. When the Clippers were in mm-hmm. Oakland for their preseason game last week, when the Warriors obliterated them, uh, kind of yeah. remarkably. Did um, you do air quotes when you said they were there? Because they were only. <laughs> they basically weren't there. Uh, that's true. Yeah. But before the game. Uh, you know, the, the subject of, you know, whether, you know, Doc Rivers at all thought about breaking this team up uh, came up. And, you know, Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. of course, famously uh, last year before the season started said, well, if we don't win, we might have to break the team up, uh, to which he kind of hilariously last week said, oh, well, I don't know why anybody would ever think they, we should have broken the team up. That's crazy. Sure. Uh, you know, after he, <laughs> after he actually said it. But, um you know, obviously last season ended terribly for the Clippers, a really disappointing fashion. Chris Paul and Blake Griffin both get hurt in game four of their first round series with the Blazers. The day after Steph Curry gets hurt, when it looks like this might just be the time for the Clippers to finally break through again. Six glorious hours of optimism, Six, six Tim. glorious hours for optimism. I remember that I recorded a whole true podcast that afternoon with uh, Habistro and Winhorst and, and uh, somebody else, I think maybe Ethan. And we spent half an hour talking about what are the Clippers chances against the Warriors in the next round without Steph Curry. And then right like five hours later, I'm watching the game going, I cannot believe that Steph, that Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are both hobbling off the court with injuries and their season's probably over. Um, did, now when that, when that series ended, did you think, what did you think the chances were that this group would be back and do you think that I, – I, well, let, me, let me start with that. What, what did you think the chances were this group would be back th- with this construction when, when that series ended? Well, I think fairly high, um, especially because of how that series ended. Right. Too, you know, like well, kind of the notion of unfinished do you, do you business. That, do you think that if, if – let's say they'd been healthy and lost, do you think there's a better mm-hmm. chance that they would have looked to change things? Or was it the fact that they were hurt yeah. that it gave them a mulligan? Yeah, I think again? so. I think that's reasonable. Um you know, it's hard to tell. Like, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in terms of kind of, you know, breaking up the Clipper right. kind of core. Let's just let's assume that 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 means trading Blake Griffin. Right. Um, you know, we can, you can have interesting conversations about, you know, really what was his value after 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 last season? Because, you know, going into the final year of a contract, um, you know, coming off of an injury, uh, a lot of question marks. Right. You know, and, right. and, and is that the time you want to trade somebody who. You know, you're pretty sure is a top ten player in the league. Um, you know, also a guy that you're fairly confident you'll be able to keep. You know, is that really you? You want to move him? 
you know, at, at, at 27. And, and I think that's where, you know, they were going to have to get really good value, right. really good value. Right. And uh, th- to me, that, they, that gets harder under those circumstances, right? I mean, usually, especially when it comes to like a superstar trade, very rarely do you get the the, 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 the amazing all-NBA superstar for another amazing all-NBA superstar just because fit makes sense. Yep. You know, you, you know like, that doesn't really happen. And I think if that would have come to the table for them, I think they would have considered it. Um, but in terms of, you know, moving him, you know, for um, good players, but like multiple good players instead of like a great player, I, I don't think, I mean, I think it was pretty clear in, in sort of the way they attacked their summer. Like they don't want less stars. Right. Like they were, they were, ready, they were ready to to strip the roster to go get Kevin Durant, and, right. and, and you know they were trying to pitch that. Right. And, and so, <clears throat> moving Blake Griffin, I, I don't think was ever really a priority for them. Um, so, long story short, like I felt pretty confident that that group was going to kind of come back for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, financially, it made the most sense. Like they didn't really have the cap room to to, to be you know very kind of retooling. This summer, it always made the most sense that they were going to, you know, keep their core, resign um, Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers. Like that always made the most sense for mm-hmm. them based on kind of they had those guys bird rights. They had no cap room um, They were, You know, if they wanted to use the exceptions, they were probably going to be hard cap. So, you know, keep your guys. And, and then, you know, where they did well, I think, and, and Doc and I actually at the end of last year disagreed about this a couple times. Um, is they found a minimum market in a year with a historic cap spike, which I didn't think that would be there. And Doc, Doc um, so Doc's I, opinion, just to be clear, Doc's opinion was they'd be able to find find guys again, like yeah, they have in the yeah, past. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they thought they would get rotation guys for minimum contracts last year. And, and I, I gotta I say that think... that has been that has been his greatest strength as a GM. Like I think he's screwed yeah. up a bunch of stuff since he got these dual roles. But they've like when like when I was covering the Nets, when the Nets were good. You know, these big market teams in New York and Los Angeles, they have the ability to get guys to go play there for less money um, mm-hmm. because of the Cause quality of life's important. Quality life's you know, important. I, I, and it's and it's a and, it's, and it's also a huge megaphone. And if you go play in L.A., I mean, you go look at the guys who signed with the minimums for the Clippers and the, and the Nets when the Nets were pretty good. Like guys went and played there for the minimum. They could turn that into a multi-year deal somewhere else. That's happened over Absolutely. and over again. Yeah, I mean, the famous example the Clippers have used has always been Darren Collison was, you know, sure. come sign for pennies on the dollar and Docker was first year. And then, you know, you, he went and got the full mid-level. Yeah, Cole Aldridge uh, just got $7 million Cole, after playing Cole Aldridge is a, yeah. for a couple years. Yeah, another great example. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's sort of the, you know, would be the plan for like the most, for a, for a guy like Mo Spates. Sure. Um, Alan Anderson, you know, this Mo is, Spates. Yeah, I mean, I think some of those other guys that are a little later in the career, um, you know, Alan Anderson, Raymond Felton, uh, Brandon Bass or whatever, like certainly could have another multi-year contract out there for them. Um, You know, probably not above the mid-level would be my guess. Right. But, but, you know, I mean, but if Mo Spates has a really good year, um, like, you know, that's a a guy who can go get a big contract somewhere. Um, And he's going to get, and I think, you know, it's funny. When we start talking about kind of what this team looks like next year, I, I mean, I think we should spend time talking about Mo Spates and, and kind of what he can mean to them offensively off the bench. Because I was thinking about this the other day. Like, they've never really had a guy quite like him. Well, he's what, um, I mean, t- he's, a not, he's, a, he's a minimum version of what they signed Spencer Hawes to be, right? Well, so I think it's different. Um, and, and this is, you know, I mean, Spencer was supposed to stretch the floor. You know what I mean? But I don't think they ever really thought of Spencer as a guy who, you know, 
when we need a basket, we can give this guy the ball and he can just go get a basket. Right. You know, you know, and, and Mo, I think, I mean, we're not talking about DeMarcus Cousins here, but like that guy can score. Mo, he, listen, well, he is Mo Buckets Mo for Buckets. a reason. <laughs> yes, it is One not, it is not Mo passing. That's right. <laughs> it is not Mo defensive position. <laughs> not even Mo rebounding. No, it's Mo Buckets. Mo Buckets. And, <laughs> and it's sort of like, it's an interesting kind of pairing off the bench with, with a guy like Jamal Crawford, who, you know, was doing that type of, that type of offense from the perimeter now you also have a big guy who can kind of do that type of offense. We've seen it in the last two preseason games. There have been times where, um, you know, offense has stalled a little bit, and he's just gotten the ball and just went and scored. Like, just got in the paint and scored. Yeah, you know? and, and that and, second and, unit a lot of times was basically a bunch of guys who couldn't do anything in Jamal. And that, that you yeah. know, Jamal, let's be honest, like, there's, you know, Jamal's had a pretty, you know, whether you think Jamal's too inefficient or he should have won the sixth man of the year award last year or whatever – the bottom line is Jamal Crawford has done a remarkable job of, of being durable and, for lack of anything else, being able to keep scoring even as he's gotten into his late 30s. But at some point, you have to wonder if that's ever going to stop. And it, it's certainly going to help him to have a guy like Mo out there on that second unit to take a little pressure off him. Yeah, and I mean, I think as uh, everybody's favorite best player, Austin Rivers, continues <laughs> to evolve a little bit, he's a guy... That, that can help a little bit offensively, too. Um, we saw that in the last kind of 20 games of the season and, and in the playoffs. Um, you know, as a guy who can get to the, you know, he can get to the basket, get into the paint. Um, you know, I think playing with Felton is something you'll see. I, I do think you'll see kind of Felton and Jamal on the court at times together. And, you know, having another ball handler, I think, helps. I think another guy also who can get into the paint and can get, other guys kind of open looks and, and then having a floor spacer and Mo, I mean, that that's a guy that'll help kind of him get to the basket. And, and I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, kind of an underrated part of Jamal's game is, you know, his ability to kind of, to get and get fouled in the paint Yep. and, you know, having a six foot 11 guy who's going to stand at the three point line and, and who you have to guard um, is, is totally valuable. And that's why they've tried to do it. And they, you know, the list of guys, it's, it's long. You know, um, Byron Mullins is on this list. You know, Spencer <laughs> Hawes is on this list. Josh Smith, um, yeah. guys who are, who you know are gonna be spacers for them um, at that position. And, and Antoine Jameson, um, and, and it's never worked out in a Clipper uniform so far. Paul Pierce, you can add to that. Yeah, list. they haven't they haven't been able to find a three, and they haven't been able to find a stretch four off the bench. Those have really been the two things they've spent the entire time Chris Paul has been there trying to find and struggling. Yeah, and, and you know, I think you know they they would view they view space more as a stretch five. But either way, kind of for what they're big, doing. But 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 yeah, big. but it's yeah yeah, but yeah, but it's you know, I was gonna say that's semantics at this point. I I think though they've kind of <clears throat> this feels like a version of the roster they've tried to have now. Their small forward, their small forward issues are still their small forward issues, right? And I, I asked Doc about it last night, and I was just like. You know, do you think there's going to be separation here ever, or is it going to have to be a matchup-based thing? And he's like, I would love if there was separation, but, you know, if there's not, <laughs> it didn't right. tell you he was holding his breath. Right. Because those guys are all kind of the same, and they all they all do some things really well, and they do other things not as well. well and- look, their best option – here's the state of the Clippers small forward spot, right? I don't care what they paid Wes Johnson this summer. He's not very good. I mean, he, he's, well, he's a blah player. They kept him because they mm-hmm. had his rights, and that like that was fine. No, they actually didn't. They did not have well, his bird right. rights. I meant, I meant, I didn't mean they had his rights. I, I meant he was on the roster last year. They're familiar with him, so they 
they hung on. Yeah, and, and and he was and he was again like I mean he was a useful bench guy fine. for them. He was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, but ideally, you're. I mean, you just said it. Ideally, he's your backup three, not your starting three. And correct. Well, I mean, I think the idea of West Johnson. Like a lot of people around the league would say, the idea of West Johnson is your starting three, right? right. Is well, that's why West you know Johnson a guy with great for ten years. <laughs> yeah, a guy with great length who you know can shoot the basketball and stuff like that is is right. sort of the the exact type of guy who they're looking for. But you know, I think that they they've kind of looked at it and you know maybe there's some diminishing returns with him that maybe it's better to just have him out there for 17 minutes instead of, you know, 27. Right. If he, and if he's in your rotation as your ninth guy playing off the bench as a backup wing, I think you're in great shape. But I, mm-hmm. think, I think it sums up that spot for them that I think their best option there is Alan Anderson if he's healthy. And Alan Anderson didn't play basically at all last season because of an ankle problem. So yeah. if, that, if that's the guy that it, if, if everything works out as your best option there, you know, it's clearly still not as strong a spot as you would hope it would be. That kind of <clears> so, up for yeah, me. so they've had four options. They've, well, three options really have been discussed so far in, in training camp as sort of who are the possibilities of them starting a small forward. Now, this comes with a caveat that, you know, and Doc will admit this, and I actually tend to agree with this too, that, like, we tend to care more about starters Yes. than most people, that it's like, you know, whatever. I mean, like, they're, Luke and Bahamute started a lot for them last year. Luke and Bahamute did not play the majority of minutes right. at small forward. Right. They, right. You know, they they do it other ways. So the options that they've really kind of put forward, at least in the starting lineup so far, is starting, you know, and Bahamute again, kind of a, we know what we've got. Um, they liked his defensive versatility a lot with Blake Griffin out last year. Um, you know, he guarded Anthony Davis really well in a game in New Orleans, but yep. then you could also put him out on, Clay Thompson, if you have to, you know, he, he's, he's a very good defender who can guard kind of two through four and they like having that, but, and they like, they like him as a cutter too. He, he, he does kind of move. He can move. Okay. Off the basketball and get into paying for easy baskets. He just doesn't shoot the ball consistently enough. And that, that guy, whoever that other guy is, is going to get a lot of shots. This was Matt Barnes. Um, you know, <laughs> you're going to get open corner threes right. with their offense all the time. And, you know, Luke Limbaamute is just not the guy you want taking those shots. And no. so that, that brings us to option number two, which is Alan Anderson, who's a better shooter, probably not as good of a defender, uh, but a good defender and a guy who plays hard and plays with grit. But also you certainly have durability concerns with. And, right. And, and you know, but he's he, he's more aggressive. You can put the ball in his hands a little bit. He's a better ball handler, um, a much more polished offensive player. Right. And then option three is uh, they've talked about a little bit at times, if the matchups allow for it, maybe they go small and start three guards. Right. And maybe that's Austin Rivers right. as that third guard who starts. Right. You know, who who's guarding uh, perimeter-based wings. And, you know, the version of that lineup we saw, Reddick was out, so we saw Raymond Felton in that position instead. And that was a really interesting look uh, to have Chris Paul, Raymond Felton, and Austin Rivers, essentially three point guards. Well, Kind of three guys who played point guard, uh, um, you know, all playing together. It allowed for like it's the best Chris Paul's looked this preseason was in that lineup because he didn't have to bring the ball up the court. He didn't have to chase around, you know, the the, the best guy on the other uh, on the other perimeter. He could you could hide him a little bit and rest him, even though he's a great defender. Right. You know that type of stuff. Those are those are hard miles on him every year. And I think having Austin Rivers out there allows them to kind of do that a little bit more with him. And I think you'll see that combination play together more this year, whether it's a, because of staggering um, or it's because Austin Rivers starts 15 games at small forward. 
they have not talked a lot about Wes Johnson as a starter. That hasn't come up. Interesting. So that so that doesn't seem like that's the way things are headed. Yeah, it seems like they like him with a bench unit, um, and that group needs shooting. Yeah, it's always needed. Well, that's shooting. the best. Like and we were so just saying, I mean, that's there. the best role for him anyway. I mean, the, you know, <laughs> you know, what regardless of what they paid him, you know, ideally for them, they can play him for. I mean, they paid him the mid level. You know what I mean? Well, I just mean, I mean they they're paying. Him... I mean, that's more than all those other. I mean, I guess not Austin, but it's, <laughs> sure, it's more than the sure. other guys combined who were in a mix there. So that's that's yeah. why I say like whether it you know regardless of what they paid him, that's probably the best role for them. Yeah, I mean, I think they're more invested in him as a role player, as a guy that um, you know that's kind of the going rate for rotation wings, and um, you know I think they feel fortunate that you know they probably got him a little below market, right? Um, you know, and because this is what five years now for him in Los Angeles, guys like that. Um, you know, it's comfort. You don't have to move your family. You don't have to move your, your kids. Yep. And so they were able to use that stuff to their advantage and, and, and keep him now. It, it, it's just been, it's been an interesting thing. Like they've, they've always been sort of, I feel like a little handcuffed in this and, and kind of their pursuit of, of a small forward, um, uh, because you know, their resources are so tied up and, you know, they're, they're, they're so-called big three and, and JJ Redick. Those have always been the contracts they've been, you know, that was $70 million last year, more, more than that. in those three guys or four guys. Um, so probably closer to 80. Right. Um, so, so that's, it, it's hard to find the extra money somewhere. They've tried a bunch of guys and, you know, it seems like they're going to try some, a couple more this year. And yeah. hopefully their, their hope is that, you know, they, they've hit this market well in the past and, and, you know, maybe they find a guy like Alan Anderson. I, I, I think, you know, again, like the sort of the notion of what he could do would fit perfectly with what they're trying to do. Um, and, and, you know, use 20 minutes of him a game and, and then you fill that other 28 minutes out with, with different lineups. You can do it with three guard stuff. They've used Jamal Crawford at the three at times. You can do stuff with multiple guards with Austin Rivers. I mean, I mean, you could even do stuff at times with Blake Griffin there. Um, you know, people have thought that that could happen at some point in time if you wanted to go really big. Um, and they, they've, you know, I could see Doc Rivers at some point fooling around with the lineup that was, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Mo Spates, and Blake Griffin. <laughs> I hope he does because that would be – I'm not even saying that that's the uh, – I'm not – Crazy. I'm not, well, I was going to say, I, I don't know if that's really feasible, but it's – he might as well mess around with it and try it. I mean, because, sure. you know, and that, that kind of, cause th- this is the thing and that this is kind of what I wanted to get to uh, as the overall question with the Clippers. Could like, you do that against like, could you do that against Portland? Why couldn't you do that against Portland? If I mean, like Aminu was that, playing minutes at the three. I think they could do that against a lot of teams. I think you could do it against yeah. Portland. I think you could do it against most bad teams. I mean, you could do it against the Lakers. If you're playing the Lakers, you could mess around with that. If, can, if if Luol Deng is your three, certainly, you know what I mean. Like right, I, I playing, feel if pretty confident. Luol Deng and Randall, you could you could fool around with with Blake and Spurs sure. there. I mean, you could figure out a way to to do that. Or if or if Ingram is on the court, I mean, he can't really do anything at this point, but spot up. So you know, you could have you could have most Bates or somebody and metabolize calories. Well, that he's elite. <laughs> he's he's an elite he, metabolizer. He's an elite metabolizer. That is true. But you know. The, the the overall question with the Clippers, right? And it kind of goes back to the, the discussion, you know, people here were having with Doc last week, which is that you look at this Clipper team and mm-hmm. for five years, they've had the same team. They've had one of the five best teams in the league. And for some reason or another, they have flamed out in the playoffs every year, whether it's through injury or 
through choking away series like they did against the Rockets a couple years ago, or just and the Thunder and, and the right, Thunder and the too. Thunder series, which was definitely I think definitely a choke job on their part, and sometimes they just got beat. So they've kind of been all over the place in the playoffs. But the bottom line is, despite having one of the five best teams overall during that stretch, and in many years, most years, one of the five best teams in the league that year, they haven't gotten past the second round of the playoffs once. Um, so, yes. so we- no, but just, just let me finish first. So, okay. now, so you have that as the backdrop, right? You come into this season, Correct. this is the same core again. You have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin both heading into their final years of their contracts before they're both almost certainly going to opt out, barring injury, and hit free agency next mm-hmm. summer. So you put all that together. You add and in the a fact Redick that, free agency, too. And, well, that's right. J.J. Reddick's a free agent. You add in the fact that the Warriors look like this team that's probably going to steamroll everyone this year, barring injury. They just look better than everyone else. And, you know, as somebody who's been around the Clippers more than anybody out there, like, how do you and like what is what is the point of this season for the Clippers? Like, is if they get to the conference finals this year, no matter what happens, like is that kind of validate what's happening? Justify keeping this group together? Like, what like what is what is the goal or and the point for this team? Because it's it is weird to have this group that's been together because this group has probably been together longer than any team in the league at this point, and they they still are kind of stuck in the same spot they've been ever since they got together. Yeah, I mean, I I would think, you know, from their point of view, um, and they've said this, like, you know, um, you know, making it to the conference finals is kind of a BS goal. Um, Like, that's not what they're about, um, that they think, and I think rightfully so, that, you know, with with three of the top 20 players in the league or three of the top 25 players in the league, that, you know, your goal should be to win a title. And, And that's certainly, they feel like that's a possibility. Obviously, um, you know the Warriors. No, and it's still uh, a possibility. Feel like a hell, yeah. like I mean, a, like like a hell of an obstacle. Yeah, it's still a possibility. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But but I think that's kind of you know I I don't think that if they get to the conference finals and and, and don't play well and, and you know flame out that they'll feel validated. The, the the issue is sort of you know things are things are certainly not bad enough to reset. Um, that right. they're <laughs> they're they're stuck in this limbo where it's the best they've ever been. It's a team with no history. Right. Keep in mind, right. it, it's the best they've ever been. Right. And there's really still no, like, you could break it up, but for what? Right. You know what I mean? And the the for what there is, <laughs> you need to still be really good. There's no, there's no, like, let's, I mean, they've got guys entering their prime. You know, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan right now are entering their prime. Um, why, why walk from that? I mean, there's no, there's the timetable on it doesn't make sense. I mean, it makes sense to keep trying to win now. And if it doesn't work, my guess is that they will approach this summer and they will re-sign Chris Paul. They will re-sign Blake Griffin and they will try again with another batch of role players for, you know, minimum type contracts. And and that's just going to be how they keep going after it. Um, with the hope that they maybe catch some sort of Mavericks lightning in a bottle or something like that. Right. Um, you, you know, and to me, it's, I get the, I get the idea of, you know, let's say, you know, maybe, maybe we trade Blake for a package from the Denver Nuggets. Right. You know what I mean? And we get, we get Wilson Chandler, we get Fareed, we get, or we get Gallinari and we get Jokic or something like that. Right. right. We get some sort of package of multiple players from them. I, I, to me, I don't know that that puts you closer or further. It just, you, you know, you're, the Warriors are still there. Your timetable doesn't really change that much, um, you know. And the known thing is, is that you know that you're going to be, like you said, one of those top five teams. You, you know, with this group, 
Right. And so why not just keep doing it, especially considering, you know, that this organization has just never had it. Now, and, and that is the part that people, I don't think, always take into account in these situations is that there's different standards for different places. And that's not sure. a criticism. But and, like, and look, look, here, let me let me interrupt you really quickly. No, yeah, go for and it. That's not to say that's not to say their standard isn't to try to win. Right. Because um, because their standard is. But I think that absolutely part of, part of their thinking, I don't know how much, if it's 5% or if it's 10%, knows that at a certain point in time, you know, you get tired of hearing, you know, there's no, there, there, you have no names up in your rafters, you know, you have no statues outside. If you, let's say they stay at Staples Center. Well, they're not the, they're um, not you the know Lakers, what I mean? right? That's all you have to say. Like, they're not, they, yeah. they don't have, well, they don't but, have but I mean, but they have like nothing. They're, I mean, they're not the, I mean, they're not the sparks well, they're the, in that Right, sense. they're the opposite of the Lakers. But I just mean, like, the Lakers... Like to your point, the Lakers have history that they could point to, and so their their fans are you know like the way the the system is there. It's kind of like well, if they're not competing for a championship consistently, then things are. They have a retro jersey. Now. They have retro jerseys in their gift shop that they can sell. Right. Whereas the Clippers really don't. Right. Uh, um, not you know what I mean? Like candy jerseys. Yeah. So I mean, having I, I I've always felt that this part of I mean Blake Griffin is the best player the franchise has ever had. Right. In terms of like, this is a guy we drafted right. and developed and became a star here. Like, you know, it, it, it makes a ton of sense to keep him for as long as you can and then retire his jersey and then build a statue for him and then be there, you know, when he goes to, into the Hall of Fame someday. Like that to me makes total sense to want to do that and to stay on the path, even if that maybe means that you give yourself a 2% worse chance of winning a title by not pulling the trigger on a three-for-one deal or something like that. Right. Now – Here's here's where I wonder about them, right? Like, in the past, there's always been something that's kind of happened to that's gotten in the way. Whether it's they've, fallen, <laughs> yeah, you know, whether they've fallen short or somebody's not <clears throat> hurt, whatever's happened. Sterling. Well, here, well, let's st- recap this quick. Yeah, two years just, ago, right. Sterling, right, in the playoffs, right, um, which is craziness, right. And like, you know, they did choke away that Thunder series, but like that team could like literally have taken no more adversity, right. Like right. they, there was a, that was a cup that over, overfilled. <laughs> yes. Then they got beat by Josh Smith and Corey Brewer from the three point line in a playoff game. Yes. Um, which was weird. Yes. Um. <laughs> and, and then, then, then we talked about, they had, um, you know, the, the, the really good six hours of optimism. Right. And then Chris Paul breaks his hand and then Blake Griffin's quad retires and then the playoffs are over. Yes. No, that's, that's three years in a row. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it that's the way it's that's the way it's been. It's been it's been. Crazy. Oh, and the year before that, nobody remembers Blake Griffin steps on Lamar Odom's ankle. Yes, in the play at a practice. Yes, ankle swells up. He can't play the final two games. They blow a two zero lead against the, the Grizzlies. Yes, that's that's right. I was trying to think of who they lost to before that. That's right. They <laughs> so lost it's to funny you mentioned that his own foot. Right. So, yeah. So it's funny. Before that, um, sorry to take us back. So poor, at that that six hour period when you're recording your Chuhu podcast, I was on the phone with I think it was Grant Hill, name drop, um, about <laughs> that team, that Clipper team, because that year um, they were on track to play the Thunder in the second round, right, of the playoffs, right. Um, and Russell Westbrook hurt his knee, right, and was going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. And there was like a a day of there like was another oh day there's where it looked like there was a there's path. a window yeah. here this is the time and then Blake Griffin stepped on the Mars. well <laughs> hell even the even, playoffs even were two over. years ago look when they beat the Spurs two years ago uh, or I guess a year and a half ago in the, the spring of fifteen it was like wow the Clippers win Game Seven they win this series they beat the Spurs 
Now they're playing Houston. Then they're up through one on Houston. It's like, wow, we're going to get Clippers Warriors, the series everybody wanted. They're going to make the conference mm-hmm. finals. They're going to slay all these demons. And then they fall apart. You know, there's yeah. just always something. But what I was going to say was, like, look, you look at the Western Conference now, and let's set aside the Warriors. They're in their own universe, basically, in the league now. Sure. But you look outside of that, the Spurs, I think, are still going to be very good. But signing Pau Gasol is going to win them a lot of regular season games, probably not going to help them in the playoffs. You look, you look around the West besides them. You've got Utah, a team that people want to say is going to be a top-four team in the West. That Now Gordon Hayward's going to be out for a month at least, and hasn't even made, been 500 yet, let alone been in the playoffs. Oklahoma City lost Kevin Durant. I think the Timberwolves are going to be really good. They haven't done anything yet. Uh, Houston could be good again. They also probably aren't going to play any defense, even if they score 120 points a game. Like, you go down the West. Memphis could have a really good starting five. They have no depth. They have a lot of injury issues. Like, you go through the West, and there are more flawed. Questions. A lot of flawed teams. Right. This isn't the Western Conference of five years ago when there were 850-win teams. Like, it's not... It's, it's not the same conference. So I, I guess to play devil's advocate to what you were saying before, and I agree, I think the most likely scenario is that they, that every, they wind up bringing everybody back. If they mm-hmm. don't get through this year, I don't, whether, let's say the Clippers want to keep everybody there, do you think that there's a chance that one of their two stars, or both of them, could look around and say, you know what, kind of in a similar way to what Kevin Durant did, kind of go, you know what, this just isn't going to work. And I want to go play. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what they're fighting against, right? Tim is, is sort of this idea that you know maybe this this is it. Um, you know, we're not we've peaked at, at this group, and you know, I, I think obviously out of all the possible scenarios, I think them losing both of both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin is the least likely, right? Of all the scenarios, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, could a guy like Chris Paul look around and say, you know, this is crazy? I'm sick and tired of people talking to me about how. My legacy isn't about the is you know isn't validated until I get to a conference finals or win an NBA championship. You know, does Chris Paul go ring hunt? Right. I don't know. Like it could happen. It certainly could happen. I mean, you know, I I, I knowing Chris and, and and kind of you know he also really loves being in Los Angeles. Right. You know, he loves having his kids there. He just you know bought a house, another yeah, house. I don't think he's family's going. I don't here. think he's going anywhere. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I think you he know, could go. It's, it's, I think he could go some places. I guess I should be clear when I say I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he. I think he would go to certain markets, but I don't think he. Well, I, don't I think, think he'd go to certain markets, and I think he. You know, I think the options of like playing with certain players. You know, the the, right. the banana boat dream team. And that, well, and that's why to me the two. Like I agree with you. I think it's more likely, and to me, I think it's more likely he lives and leaves than Blake anyway. Um, and I think if you look around, you know, there's two kind of obvious spots one is the bulls and one is the knicks where you know and i'm not you know i'm not saying they're necessarily better options than the clippers but if he is looking to go somewhere he does happen to have two of his best oh, friends i would say let's teams. be i would say let's be clear that those would both be in the short term i think worse options based on their current rosters oh i think so. than the clippers oh i think so i think so yeah the only you know, difference, you know but, the only but yeah i mean the only difference might be and this is, you know, you'd have to really get into Porzingis, maybe? Well, if Porzingis I was going to say, is... the, the, the tricky thing with the Knicks, and I, this is something I'm just thinking about on the top of my head, which I'm not going to try to look up as I say it. If there is a amnesty clause in this CBA, which I think there is a decent possibility that there will be, because there tends to be one every year, they could sure. they could get rid of both Joe Keem, they could get rid of Joe Keem's contract, and they could get, and Derek Rose's contract would come off the books. 
So they could mm-hmm. all of a sudden have $50 million in cap space. So they could go get Chris Paul and somebody else. And all of a sudden, if you have Chris Paul and Carmelo and Porzingis and somebody else, then maybe you have, yeah, that's a, interesting. Maybe you have an argument of being somewhere in the neighborhood of the Nick, of the Clippers. But yeah, I think but you're that's right. Also, you're also connecting a lot of dots. Maybe. Yeah, and, and it all and it depends too. Again, and obviously, like who that somebody else would be in this situation. Right. Um, you know, I haven't looked. God, how do you have me talking about 2017 free agency right now? Um, <laughs> But, I'll, but okay, that, I just got even, done booking Marriotts, man, for this season. But that's even getting um, too far in the weeds. All, all I mean is, I, do you like if they don't? Like, I guess my question is, if if you if they don't finally take this step this year, when I think that you look around and there's really no excuses anymore. Like they are, they they have all these. Like you mentioned, they're two. They have two other guys in their prime. Chris Paul, you know, yeah. unless he drops off a cliff, which I guess is possible because. Small guards that get in their thirties tend to just do that all of a sudden, but I'm assuming he's going to be good again. You know, they should. some do. I think I think was did Kevin? Who was it? Was it Shea Serrano or someone who wrote a really good story for the Ringer about this? I think it was Shea who, who wrote was. that. I didn't um, see the story, you know, but you know, I kind of compare, comparing comparing him to like you know other guards by size and stuff. That actually, you know, they their primes actually extend a little longer than we might think. Right. Um, you know, there's reason to believe that Chris Paul will, will be pretty good for the next few years. Looney's also um, the most basic kind of comparable players, so but if there's any chance he can extend it longer than a normal person, I would expect him to do it. So sure, you, you know, I think defense. here. Let, let, let me let me break this. I'll I'll, I'll cut this down and, and kind of try to I think give you sort of the uh, like the one sentence, like the theme here. Every, every year they don't get there, it becomes more and more likely that that team won't come back. Right, right. You know, and, and I would say that two years ago, last season, and I would say that that's certainly true again this season. Right. Um, however, I still feel like the most likely scenario is that everybody comes back and, and that you, you try to do some version of it um, again with, with that core because, you know, what you think about the Clippers, it's that's a, that's a really good three-man core. Right. And it's hard to get three players that good on the same team at the same time when their primes are all kind of close. Like, that's almost impossible. Right. And they've got it. And, you know, you... you you don't want to squander it and, and, you know, maybe they've squandered it so far. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they should have had a title by now, but I, I also, you know, it's also been, you know, a time when there's been historically great teams around them and they've been a little bit of victim of timing and they've been a victim of some bad luck. And then they've also been a victim of kind of, I don't think that they've been tough enough always in those situations either. Right. And it's a combination of all of those things that have kept them from, you know, playing into June and, you know, if things break right, this team certainly, to me, uh, you know, a, there, there's a version of the season where the Clippers are in the NBA Finals, where Blake Griffin's an MVP candidate. Uh, like, that version exists. There's that timeline. Well, let's even, somewhere. let's even, sure, but let's even take a step back from that. Like, and let me just, I'll just add, we'll just wrap up with this. Like, are they going to mm-hmm. be in the Western Conference Finals this year? Yes or no? Like, what do you think? I, I think so. Because, like, to me... And I, I think they will be. And I, I, I think... I've been going back and forth. I think they sh- should be. I, I think it'd be disappointing. I mean, assuming health and everything, I think it'd be disappointing if they weren't. Well, right. And that's kind of what I was getting to before. I, I totally understand where they're coming from, that they, they don't feel like that's a successful season. And I can understand why they, why they feel that way. They shouldn't, right? They, you know, they do have one of the five or six best teams mm-hmm. in the league. They should be thinking, we have a chance to win the title if the things break our way. But... Like we were saying before, they're, they're, they clearly 
if they aren't the team, the favorite to be the second best team, they, they are one of the favorites in a way you could maybe argue they've never really been before. And that there's maybe there's always been a couple teams ahead of them in line. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they're worse than third, right? You would think. I mean, unless I mean, the only way they're not is if Portland, maybe. Well, nah. See, I I think the way the Clippers aren't third is if they take a significant step back. If like to me, it's to me like it's not that somebody plays better than them. It's that. Blake Griffin it would be their own doing, right? And, and like Blake yeah. Griffin, like Blake, Blake Griffin, isn't the same player anymore. Not that he's bad, but that he's just because sure. of the injuries he's had, he's not quite the same player. And Chris Paul isn't the same player. And uh, they're they're just they just JJ Redick, who's I think thirty three or thirty four, isn't quite sure. the same player. And they just they can't do it like they have been the last few years. Because I think I think we just went through all the teams before, right? Like I I can't. Uh, the the worst they should be is third to the Spurs. And I think a lot of people would argue they should be better than even the Spurs this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I, I tend to think that, that, you know, I kind of feel the same way about San Antonio um, where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I look at their guard play and I say, you know, is Danny Green consistent enough? Is Tony Parker going to be healthy enough? Right. Um, what does Manu have left? See, I think then, they're going to win you know, 60 games again because because I think signing Pau Gasol is the kind of move that's going to win them a lot of regular season games because he'll feast on a lot of bad regular season teams and they still have mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. And then they'll get in the playoffs. And like last year, to your point about their guards especially, or and now that Pau isn't Tim Duncan defensively, they're going to face a team in the playoffs that will be able to exploit that stuff and they'll have a lot of trouble, which very well could be the Clippers again. You know? Yeah, well, you know, you know – <laughs> it's funny, Tim, you know, the other thing I'd say about Powell though is, you know, even, even late in his career, I mean, Tim Duncan's so good defensively. Right. And was so important to what they were able to do. And that's not a strength of Powell's. Now I I think he could be coached up and certainly that's as good of a coaching staff and a good of a a, a culture as there is in the league. But like that, they're going to be different because of that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The reason why I still think they're going to be good is, like, for as good as Duncan was defensively, he was that bad on offense last year. And I think Powell mm-hmm. is kind of the reverse. And I think that they'll – I still think they'll be overall good enough defensively that it won't kill them. And they won't go through the stretches offensively where they're so bad that they just can't score for a while. Um, and I also think yeah. Danny Green's going to be a lot better than he was last year when he was just terrible the entire season. Like, I just expect him to be, to be better. But, but either way, like, to me, like, I, what I was going to say before was I, I totally understand why the Clippers don't – don't feel like getting to the conference finals is um, is is the is the goal for them. But I do feel like you know, for people like me who I think has been you know more critical of them than than you would think I should be, among others. Like if they do get to the conference finals this year, I do think it validates what they've been doing. And to your earliest, or to your point earlier, it would validate them running it back. And I mean, I think, I, like, yeah, I and, and, I, mean, they, and I would argue that winning 55 games every year validates. Well, I do, but I guess what I mean is that if they, you like, know. If they fall short again, I think the chances of Chris or Blake specifically going, I need to try something else. But that's different, though, right? No, but I, but, but that's, di- but, I but that's, that, that's same. like, their, that's, hold on, Tim, that's their, you know, like, could the core get broken up? Certainly. The question is, should they break it up? Well, now it's right? different. Because, it, it, well, I guess what I mean is now it's different because it's out of their hands. It is out of their you hands. I mean? And, and, and that, that, that is a key difference. And I do think that 
you know, I mean, a lot of things are going to go into that. Now, I don't know if it's just timing or stuff like that, but like, you know, you, you can already start to see like the little things, you know, you're that's going into a free agency year for those guys. Right. And they just so happen to hire an entire new front office staff right. and they build, they build, you know, they catch up with the rest of the league and their infrastructure. Um, you know, they just so happen as those two guys go into free agency to, you know, and they've got limited space in their building. Um, you know, they share, they share Staples center with so many other teams. There's only so much locker room space where they, you know, they went essentially like flip or flop on it and they, you know, a shout out HGTV and they redid the locker room. (laughs) Right. You know, a lot of open space, a lot of open floor pan, a lot of rustic wood, (laughs) you you know, and and to try to maximize their space that way and, and, you know, give them, you know, new stuff there. They like, you know, they've, Steve Ballmer's invest in that organization, I think, sure. you know, an effort to kind of say to them, like, we're for real, um, stay along with us for this. And, and it'll be interesting to see if those changes manifest on the court at all and if that stuff helps them this summer because, you know, it, it, it is going to be interesting. I mean, like, you, you're going to have a lot to coordinate when you've got, you know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and J.J. Redick all in free agency and, and those being, you know, really, I mean, three huge pieces of your core. Yes. No. And, and all I was, all I was getting at before was that, you know, for all this time, the talk has been, well, are the Clippers going to break this team up? Right. Or should they? And now mm-hmm. like, I think if they get like to me, if they get to the conference finals this year, then there's no reason for everybody involved not to say, all right, like we're right here. You know, who knows Correct. what's going to happen with the Warriors. We, we should be good for a while. Let's keep this going. And like you said, keep adding to it and try to find the right mix and take our best shot. But if if they can't get there this year when the field is open for that second spot, then then I then I think it's kind of an all bets are off situation because you know, we just saw this with Kevin Durant. Like once guys get to free agency, you have no idea what's gonna happen. And no matter what situation you're in, like the, the it's just you can't be sure how guys are going to decide to do stuff. And that's why, like, that's, that's just all I mean, that I think it, them getting there validates everything for them and for everybody else. And if they don't, then I do think it's really just an open question as to what happens then. That's all. Well, let me leave you with this thought then, Tim. The Clippers do have a secret up in a free agency that no other team has, and that's they've got a safe house in Houston, Texas, where they can just lock their free agents in there until they sign. <laughs> And then this I mean, is this is that they, they 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 have they have they have the game kind of like unlock that way. So I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm, uh, I yeah, I will say this. I I found their free agency to be interesting enough that I have scheduled neither bachelor party nor wedding for those early weeks in July. So <laughs> we should end on this. I, I, I hope everything. On, I hope everything is uh we is end, safe. We should end on this because I. Uh, th- this came up the other day when we were on the phone, uh, and you were talking about potential bachelor party cities, and like what what go what goes into what what goes into the choice of a good bachelor party city for people? Oh well, that I mean, so much of it that. depends on your bachelor. I think um, you know what's going into yours. For, then? for me, it's a combination of uh, beer, like really good craft beer. Like I love beer. Um, so that's like why San Diego's in the mix, like amazing beer city. Um, I want there, I would like there to be water. 
um, like ocean or lake. Say. I was gonna say like wa- like like aquatic water? activities. <laughs> Not that I'm like a big like water skier or anything like that, but I like I feel like that's like a fun thing to do. And I, you know, in golf, and I want it to be easy to, for people to get to. I mean, for me, that's what's important. Now, um, I, I'm a little lower on like the debauchery scale. Um, right. For me, you know, outside of the fact that you know you can walk to Tijuana from San Diego. <laughs> You take a cab, you can just walk right across that border. That's so, true. Um, so TJ's in, in the mix, maybe. But um, no, it, it's. I, I think you know, Tim. I, I'm not a young man anymore. Um, <laughs> not not one of you millennials out there is going to be Snapchatting my way through my bachelor party. For me, it'll be a little more, a little more grown up. Hopefully, I'm I'm I'm. I don't know about grown up, but I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be more. I'm sure it'll be more grown up. Than it absolutely that. will not be grown up. But. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for swinging by, Dan. I appreciate it. Uh, but before you go, um, tell the people where where to find your stuff, including your amazing story about uh, the Clippers uh, talking about Donald Trump today, it, which had a glorious uh, Trump reference in it that some people got, and surprisingly, some people didn't, which I thought was funny, but uh, was a was a fantastic job by you as usual well you you go to i would say you can go to ocregister.com you can go to ladailynews.com or i think that's the website you have to I, list, I still go you have to list off OC every you have to list off every newspaper that you can find yeah you can go website. to the uh, riverside press enterprise um the long beach <laughs> post telegram the daily breeze um oh gosh well, at least I'm you, failing. You, got, you got half of them. That's enough. We lost my bosses anyway, I'm sure, a while ago. Uh, it is, Twitter's good, at uh, Dan Wanky Sports. Lots, um, of, and, lots, uh, of, uh, lots of commentary on everything. Yeah, that's where, that's, where you, that's where you'll get all sorts of fun stuff. That's the best spot. And then uh, click on links, people. Don't be such savages. Yes. You know? I gotta eat. I gotta eat. Yes, we have to eat. Click on click on the links. That's a that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good exit point. Uh, you can <laughs> this find... wedding's not paying for itself, people. <laughs> click on some links. That's right. That's right. Uh, so so click monsters. on Dan's links and pay for his wedding. Uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at Tim Botsevs. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Botsevs NBA. You can you can find the podcast uh, by searching posting up on iTunes. Please give us a five star rating and review. It's appreciated. Um, Please uh, look up the theme music of the podcast by Glenn Yoder in the Western States. Uh, Glenn's one of my, co- my colleagues at work. His band is great. Look them up on the interwebs. Buy some of their stuff if you're so inclined. Um, and check out the rest of our podcasts at The Post. We've got a whole bunch of them now, and they're, they're really good. So, so go find it. But, Dan, uh, thanks. Thanks, man. And uh, um, I don't know when the Warriors are playing the Clippers, but I, I know they play them in early December. But... I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'll be running India before too long. So thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it won't be it, it won't be too long. <laughs> all right, good. And uh, thanks to all you out there for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon.